Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. And good morning to those of you watching at home. Can't wait to see you soon here. Here, here. I'm so glad you're tuning in, and I'm speaking. Uh, I'm glad. I'm uh, welcome. A, a virtual welcome to those of you who are checking us out. But to those of you who are part of our Living Word family and haven't made it back yet, uh, we look forward to having you here. I hope you look forward to being here. Don't get. Uh, don't let the, what started out as a necessity become a bad habit. But get here. Uh, it is not the same. I am glad we have this technology to come into your homes or wherever you're watching this from, but it is not the same as gathering. That's what we are called to do is what we're commanded to do, to assemble together. There's something special when we're together, and uh, thank you guys for being here. Always good to see you, and it's a beautiful day, and we're settled into the time change, and there's nothing going on today. We've got all the time in the world. We can just hang out here all, all morning, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see who loves Jesus. We are in a series of messages on the basics of Christianity, and again, the aim of this is not so much to tell you things you don't know, but uh, perhaps to broaden your appreciation of certain doctrines, and certainly to equip you to share those doctrines uh, as you preach the gospel. We live the gospel, we preach the gospel, right? And today we are going to talk about forgiveness. And this is going to be, uh, this is such an enormous topic. It is woven through all of Scripture, of course. And there are uh, several angles that we need to consider to look at it, to take it all in, and we're not going to get it all done today. All right, so relax. Uh, some of this is in preparation for next week's message. Next week is Palm Sunday, right? Right, And then the week after that is Resurrection Sunday. Praise the Lord. Uh, this is big. These, these are big, exciting times. And uh, the, we will sort of, this is not exactly an introductory message. We're going to cover some super important concepts about forgiveness. But some of this stuff is going to be sort of held in limbo. So take notes or re-watch this right before next week so you have some context. Uh, but at least pay close attention to what we're talking about today. Forgiveness is something we all understand to a degree. We have an idea, however vague that idea is, of the difference between forgiveness and unforgiveness. You know if you've forgiven somebody, or at least you think you have, or whether you have decided not to. And uh, most of us, I'm sure, have struggled at one point or another in our lives with forgiving somebody. Anybody besides me where it's like, you know, yeah, I should forgive. I'm a Christian. Of course I'm supposed to forgive. But this is hard. I don't want to forgive. They don't deserve forgiveness, right? Uh, in the simplest terms I can put it, if you offend me, if you sin against me, I can either hold it against you or I can release you. I can not hold it against you. I can continue to identify you as an offender, as someone who sinned against me, or I can let it go and treat you as a beloved brother or sister. That's the difference between forgiveness and unforgiveness. And in order to break this down a little bit, we're going to look at the, let, well, let's start this. Before we look at some scripture, let's look at the difference between, uh, say, forgiveness and pardon. 
it's a subtle difference, but it's an important difference because if you are convicted of a crime, sentenced, you, a pardon will uh, liberate you from the punishment. It will exempt you. For instance, if you were sentenced to prison because you were convicted of a crime, a pardon will get you out of prison, but it will not expunge your record. If you're filling out a job application that asks, have you ever been convicted of a crime, you have to answer yes or lie. You can't just say, well, I'm pardoned, so I'm going to say no. You can't take the Fifth Amendment if you're called to testify. And this is important, too. Keep in mind, this is for, try to think about this in spiritual terms, too. If you are charged with a crime or convicted of a crime in the future, your previous crime from which you have been pardoned can be considered at the sentencing phase. Even though you were pardoned, they are within legal rights to look back at the crime you committed before you were pardoned. Forgiveness, especially biblically speaking, is a much deeper uh, thing, and it's also a much harder thing. It means to let it go to such a degree that you treat people in every respect as if they had never sinned. If you have forgiven them as Christ has forgiven us, as God has forgiven us through Christ, then you cannot hold their past against them. Okay, we're done. Praise and worship team. It sounds impossible, and it kind of is. I'm going to tell you why in a little bit. There is good news, though, on that score. And uh, in the next hour and a half, we will... Sorry, I'll, I'll stop doing that to you. All the Illini fans are already twitching out there. And again, I'll tie this message together with next week's and another one in the future to... to It'll be spread out a little bit, and I, but I will give you the good news today. That's what I wanted to say. There's good news. Uh, let's look at some key passages that'll, that'll get us started in the right direction here. And this is just a small sample. As I said, forgiveness is a theme that is uh, front to back in the Bible. Um, but let's start with the model prayer. This is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is really in the book of John, but this is how he taught us to pray, the model prayer. And without uh, reading the whole thing, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, there is this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 4, first part of uh, verse 4, it renders it this way, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And we, we've also seen it rendered, uh, according to other translations, as forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But the idea is the same. Uh, in the case of one sinning against another one or against God, something is owed. Restitution is required. There is a sin debt. We owe people against whom we sin. Others owe us when they sin against us, and we all owe God when we sin against him or we sin against one another because when we sin against one another, we sin against God. James makes that clear when he says, uh, when he's talking about the power of the tongue. And he says, uh, uh, the, with, with it we bless God and curse man who's made in the image of God. 
My brethren, these things should not be. And let me say this about sin, but we will certainly develop this more next week, but this will help us understand forgiveness. When, when we say the word sin, that's kind of a blanket term for, for some specific manifestations of sin. And uh, the word iniquity more fully conveys the idea of sinfulness, the sin nature. Uh, that's our iniquity. In other words, and, and trespass, all right, uh, is an act of sin, an outward manifestation, a moment of sin. We trespass because of our iniquity. We sin outwardly because of our sin nature. That, that's the way we are born, right? We're born with this sin nature. We don't need to be taught to sin. Um, so, and, and we don't need to break that down too much because sin is sin, and we say, you'll forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses, all right? But only God can forgive our iniquity. And that's where we'll be going next week. Let's look at this other passage. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, this is right after the model prayer, right after um, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It says this in verse 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Are you scared yet? And if it's not scary enough for you, let's read this. This parable in Matthew chapter 18. And we'll begin in verse 21. And Peter came to him and said, and I just love this question, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Seven is a holy number, and Peter really was trying to look pious here. Seven times? And Jesus said to him, verse 22, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, do you really think he was saying, keep a list, make your little tick, your tick marks and hash marks until you reach 490 and then you're done? No, what's the point? You're, you're going to lose count, right? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, depending on, you know, talents was a, it was a measure of weight. It could be talents of silver or talents of gold. If it was silver, it's 100, about $160 million. If it's gold, it's about $12 billion. Think about that. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife, and children, and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Uh, this was a denarii, was uh, the... Uh, Typical day's wages for unskilled common laborers. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. 
So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was very angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So starting with the prayer itself, even the prayer for forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer, the, the model prayer, has a condition. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those. That we give our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. And uh, look, I'm a forgiving guy. I am. I'm, I'm, I have a strong mercy streak. Most of you who know me know that. But when I go to God and I'm talking about my sin, when I'm repenting, when I'm asking forgiveness, I'm not asking him to forgive me like I forgive others. I'm asking him to forgive me like only he can forgive me. But the prayer that we're commanded to pray is forgive us as we forgive others. Especially if we're talking about heaven and hell. This is the way I need to be forgiven. I need to be forgiven as only God can forgive me. And if, what else could Jesus be talking about in Matthew if he says, if you don't forgive one another, my heavenly Father won't forgive you. Delivered to the torturers until you can repay all. Are we talking about hell here? Well, think about the parable again. Who is the king in this story? Who does it represent? Are you paying attention? All right, so we're going to start all over. We will stay here till 1 o'clock. The kingdom of heaven is, can be likened to, to a, a certain king. Who is the king? It's God, right. Who are the servants? That's us. Okay, we got it. 10,000 talents. $160 million. $12 billion, what's the point? There was no way this servant was ever going to repay this money. This debt was unpayable. This is, by the way, way worse than a student loan. <laughs> but look at what he says. Listen to his, he doesn't go to him saying, Oh, please, can we just forget about it? He says, just be patient and I'll repay all. This is from his heart, but it's an empty promise. There's no way he's going to pay it back. So what does the king do? The king knew he was never going to do it. So putting him in prison wasn't going to fix anything either. Turning him over to the torturers wasn't going to get his money back. So he forgives him. And then, when he, this same servant who's just been released from this massive debt turns to somebody who owes him far, far, far less, 
throttles the guy, demands payment, and when the guy prays to him exactly what he had prayed to the king, just be patient, I'll repay all, and this is within his ability to repay, the guy still won't forgive him, has him thrown into prison. Debtor's prison. And we can see when the king, when the master sees how petty this guy who had just been the recipient of such, such grace, such extravagance, when he turns that petty, the master is enraged. And we are too. We, are, we find ourselves, I think, identifying with the king. Yes, how could somebody be so horrible? And then we realize he's talking about sin. He's talking about the magnitude of my sin against God compared to the magnitude of another man's sin against me. But my goodness, would you look at that final passage. He delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. And again, what could that mean besides hell? And again, just to make it clear, Jesus said, I'm not, not just telling you a story. This is what God's going to do to you if you don't forgive one another from the heart. But is this talking about hell? Is Jesus saying here, or earlier in chapter 6, that if we don't forgive perfectly, if we don't forgive like God forgives, that we have lost our salvation? Now, as serious as forgiveness is, and we know it's serious because this is a very scary parable, to believe that is to run counter to an enormous body of scriptural evidence about our salvation. It really couldn't be clearer that our salvation is a free gift from God, purchased completely by God with the blood of Christ and offered freely to those who will acknowledge their need for it and accept it by faith. That's your salvation. Also, scary as that parable is, look at what it says, read it closely that he should be turned over to the torturers for time without time, that he should be turned over to the torturers for all of eternity. Does it say that? No, until he should repay all. Now, that's a huge debt, but there is still an until. And if we are to take this as a picture of punishment or um, consequences after death, then what this turns into is a great case for the doctrine of purgatory. Purgatory is like temporary hell. Well, uh, you sinned, but it's not enough to consign you to eternal hell. You just have to go there long enough to burn away the sin that remains. There is no real biblical basis for the doctrine of purgatory. And if you know anything about church history, you know how that doctrine was abused. And uh, so... It's really not talking about heaven and hell at all. I don't think. I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm quite certain. Because, again, salvation, if, it, it turns forgiveness into a work. It, uh, it misunderstands the nature of salvation, which is what we opened up with today right after praise and worship. It, this is something that transforms us, makes us into somebody else. I'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, the truth that Scripture teaches is that our sin debt can never be discharged by us. And when Jesus earlier talked about, if you don't forgive, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you, he was talking about trespasses, not iniquity. You understand? 
He was talking about individual acts of sin against you and yours against God. I believe that what we're looking at in both of these passages is living with the consequences of our sin here in this life. If I fail to forgive another person for sinning against me, then the sins that I commit against others become seeds that will bear bad fruit in my life. The manifestation of that fruit might be sickness, it might be poverty, it might simply be bitterness and unhappiness. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. It certainly means this, that I have set myself up for the direct consequences of my sin. Look at Luke chapter 6, very familiar passage, and we're going to read... Uh, uh, we're going to read uh, from starting in verse 27. We'll read through verse 38. Jesus speaking, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good. And lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give! And it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Look at the context of this. Do I believe that verse 38 applies to money? Yes, I do. I think it's entirely appropriate to talk about, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, when we take up the offering. But if you read it in the context of this whole passage, what is he talking about? Mercy and forgiveness. You sow mercy, you reap mercy. Until you forgive, you will reap unforgiveness from others in this life. And God can indeed discharge your debt to him, but he will not discharge your debt to others as long as you harbor unforgiveness toward others. There's a Jewish understanding of forgiveness. Read this article actually in a Christian that, that a Jew uh, wrote for a Christian magazine years ago uh, on the subject of forgiveness, where he says, You cannot forgive somebody who sinned against somebody else. It's not my job to forgive a mass murderer or an assassin. Okay, a Jeffrey Dahmer or a Lee Harvey Oswald. They did horrible things, but they didn't sin against me. A bank robber. Oh, that's horrible. He robbed a bank, but I forgive him. He didn't rob me. It's not up to me to forgive him. 
If they didn't kill me or mine or steal from me or mine, the only person in a position to forgive them is the victim. All right? The victim's family. Uh, When we forgive from the heart, what we're doing is releasing them from whatever they owe us. If you didn't steal from me, if you didn't offend me, then you don't owe me anything. You owe, you owe God and you owe the person you offended, but my forgiveness to you only applies to what you do to me. But can we really completely release them from what they owe us? Can we truly treat them as if they had never sinned against us? I don't know if we can. I, actually, I think we can. But it's tough because we can never feel like we can. Why? Because I believe for me to 100% see you. Now, by obedience and discipline and self-control, I can treat you as if you've never sinned. But I can never see you as if you've never sinned. You see the difference? Why? Because I can't forget it. I'm never going to forget. I mean, I guess I could pray for God to do a divine brainwash or lobotomy or something to cause me to forget. That might not be a bad thing. But you see, God knows what we can remember and what we can forget. God, what's it say that God does with our sins? Cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. This is such a powerful concept. Does God actually, from then on, completely forget every bad thing you've done? I don't know, but I'm telling you it absolutely doesn't matter because God, because He is omnipotent and because He is all-loving, is absolutely able to treat us and see us as if we had never sinned. When we're called to forgive, it really has to do with how we treat one another. C.S. Lewis had some great things to say about this. And when he talks about forgiveness and when he talks about love, about forgiveness, he said everybody talks about sin. Everybody, sorry, everybody uh, talks about forgiveness and agrees it's a great idea until they have something to forgive. And about love, he said, what are you supposed to do? We see what love does, how love acts, but what if you don't feel that way about somebody? The answer is, act like you do. Don't pretend you feel something, but you treat them on purpose as if you felt something you don't feel. And you know what happens as a result of doing that? Sooner or later, you start to experience the feelings of love, the feelings of forgiveness. But it starts with obedience. This is the standard that we are supposed to strive for. I don't think any of us do it perfectly because we are still being perfected. Both the offender and the offended are being perfected. Forgiveness starts as an act of faith, an act of obedience. And it may take time, listen, it may take time to restore relationships, to rebuild trust. Temporary boundaries might be necessary, but the goal always has to be complete restoration. 
Why? Because uh, we can be pretty lazy about this if you want. Well, it's, it's kind of like the old, uh, well, I'm a Christian, so I love you. But that doesn't mean I have to like you. As a Christian, I forgive you. Doesn't mean I ever have to see you again. I forgive you in Jesus' name. Now get out of my life. We're never doing business again. I'm never trusting you again. But I forgive you. Guess what? If that's a brother or a sister, you're going to see him again. Forever. Do you think that God is going to segregate heaven based on bad blood? That he's designing, okay, so-and-so, their, their place is going to be over here. Make sure they're in a part as far away from this guy. I love them both, but they hate each other. So let's, we want it to be heaven for both of them. So let's just make sure they're separate. And that's not the way heaven's going to work, is it? it? Do you think it is? I know some people who kind of think it is. Their idea of heaven is to be away from everybody else. That's not the picture of heaven that the Bible gives us, though, is it? Is it? Throngs of people singing one song together. We sang about it. You might as well start looking for ways to enjoy one another. I mean enjoy one another. Truly forgive them. Hey, I'm going to be with you forever. Let's just start getting used to it now. Oh, I guess I... It was awfully optimistic to expect an amen right there. So when it was like, <laughs> listen, this is what God offers us. He can be, he can only be in true fellowship and right relationship with somebody who is perfectly righteous. So what does he do? Well, does he want to be in right relationship with you? Yeah. So what's he do? Well, only one thing to do. If I want to be in right relationship with you, I'm going to have to make you perfectly righteous. I'm going to impute my righteousness to you. I'm going to clothe you with my righteousness. What does that mean? I have to forgive your sin. Remember, sin is debt. As we forgive our debtors, that something is owed. The king in this story Think about this, and we're getting close to winding up here. ILL. The king in this story essentially gave this servant $12 billion, didn't he? He absorbed that debt. When God forgives us, he doesn't do it by saying, eh, let's just forget about it. I hope you know that. God absorbed our sin debt at the cross of Christ. One more thought, and then I move to my closing. So I guess two more thoughts. Going back to one of the places we started, if I am a believer, if I'm saved, I am in the family of God. God, the creator, the king, is also my father. And a blood relationship 
a, a family relationship is always going to exist. What's beautiful about, uh, you know, talks about being in the, 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 his blood is in us. We are in him. This is a true family blood relationship because of the blood of Christ. But there's also what? The spirit of adoption. There's something priceless about that that Beth and I know very, very well. In that, you know, pregnancy is a wonderful thing. Birth is a wonderful thing. It's, it's the created order. It's how God made things. But, you know, those things happen by accident, don't they? I mean, people get pregnant without meaning to get pregnant. I don't say by accident. We know what causes it. But, <laughs> but adoption means you were chosen. This was on purpose. God combines both those things chose you i placed you in my family but it's blood now whatever happens between a father and a son father and a daughter mother and son mother and a daughter there might be a break in the relationship there might be a horrible uh, uh, brokenness about it a damage but nothing is ever going to make riley not my son no matter how mean he gets. No matter how stupid I get. No matter how angry I might get at Rainy. And you look at her and you think, you could never be angry at a beautiful girl like that. I remember thinking about that, about this cute little girl on my first mission trip. I'm like, I could never be a father to a daughter, at least a cute daughter, because I could never be angry at them. I'd, they'd get away with murder. And then... I'm the father of a beautiful daughter, and I find I get angry quite easily. <laughs> ah, she's a good girl. She's a good girl. What was I talking about? Yeah, no matter, no matter how stupid I get, no matter how sinful I get, you know, losing my patience, maybe I bark at them because I'm tired. Just this morning, I yelled at Rainy. I, got, I pounded on her door because I said, are you up and moving? And she goes, No. And so I ran up there and I said, what's the matter with you? She goes, what? I said, yes. I just misheard her. <laughs> and I told her a story. that uh, my, my high school girlfriend was the sweetest, sweetest uh, gal, and her mom was just this angelic, you can never imagine her getting mad. Or, I mean, I say sweetest gal, next to Beth, of course. I just mean, I'm just trying to describe her. She was this ultra-Christian from an ultra-Christian family. And she told this story, and she'd tell that she would laugh. Her mom would tell the story, and her mom would cry about when she was really little. Uh, her mom was giving her a bath, but she's trying to keep her hair dry. She didn't want to shampoo her hair and do any of that, so she's just giving her a bath. And she says at one point, don't get your hair wet. And this girl goes, hee-hee-hee, dunks her head in and comes up smiling, and her mom just starts wailing on her. What is the matter with you? And she says, what? You told me to get my hair wet. She just missed her but we can explode sinfully because we don't take time. And I, I did that. I apologize to her, and I apologize to you in front of everybody. No matter how bad it gets, and it can get way worse than that, right? Some of us have been there. Even if he walks out, even if she walks out, anything like that happens, he's still going to be my son. These are still going to be my children. Nothing changes that even unforgiveness. But, where so, where, so where's the suffering? Where is the being turned over to the torturers? That is being robbed of every bit of peace, 
every bit of blessing that comes from being in right relationship. And typically, well, the person who suffers more is the person who caused the division. And if we are, if, if we are in a broken relationship with God, if we are robbed of intimacy with God, guess whose fault it is 100% of the time? It's never God leaving us. We are being right. So you think, ah, oh, well, what's a, what's, what's, a, what's a little intimacy with God? Uh, big deal, as long as I can hold on to my unforgiveness. Are you kidding? That's why Jesus described it in the terms he did. You're going to be turned over to the torturers until you pay all. If you're going to harbor unforgiveness, then God is not going to protect you from the consequences of your sin. Vengeance is mine, says, says the Lord. I will repay. We have focused on our responsibility to forgive. But, and praise and worship team, you can be coming up here. I really believe when Jesus said, uh, if you don't forgive others, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. What he's saying, and this is super serious, I don't mean to say that, hey, don't worry, it's not hell. Don't worry. No, worry. Because if you don't forgive others, you are going to suffer the consequences, every consequence of your sin, until you forgive. All right? And we've focused on our responsibility to forgive throughout this message. But forgiveness differs in a significant way from other Christian virtues. You know when it comes to charity, and I'm talking about charity as in uh, exercising charity in the form of alms, gifts, charitable giving. Uh, or when it comes to humility, or love, or any of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the emphasis is on what we do, or what we give, how we act. There is nothing wrong with needing charity, but there is no inherent virtue in it either. Do you understand? The godly picture of Christian charity is us exercising, extending charity, displaying humility, being kind. Now, there is nothing, again, nothing wrong with having somebody be kind to you, but there's no virtue in that for me. If you're kind to me, that's your vir virtue, not mine. If you're charitable to me, that's good. And there's nothing wrong with that if I'm on the receiving end of that, but that's not a virtue. Forgiveness is different because we need it even more than we need to do it. And there is virtue in acknowledging that. When we recognize the magnitude of the debt that God absorbed, it should make it easier to forgive others. And this is the tough part because the better person you are, the harder that is to do. Stand up with me. Jesus tells this story of the two servants. The servant who owed the king owed him more than he could ever repay. 
And I don't think Jesus meant to tell this story to single out. Can you imagine somebody so bad that they had a debt they could never repay? I believe that servant was meant to represent all of us. That all of us have a debt to God that we cannot repay. And yet he extends forgiveness to all of us. And when we see, when we can see just how sinful and filthy we are in God's eyes, how impossible it is for him to have right relationship with us in our sinful state, and then we realize that forgiveness has been offered to us anyway, that should be, that should make it easier for me to forgive you and for you to forgive me. Especially because of this. Just like the king, the king didn't just say, ah, forget it. Let's just, yeah, you don't owe me anything. When the king said that, he was absorbing the debt. When God forgives us, he doesn't say just forget it. He absorbs that debt. He pays that debt, every bit of it, because the justice of God cannot be denied either. That debt has to be paid. He paid it at the cross and at the cost of the life and blood of Jesus Christ, his son. That's how much he loves you. It's how much he desires for you to walk in forgiveness. He did it willingly. Jesus did that willingly, and he was even able to focus on the joy of the outcome of this torturous process. Even as the soldiers were nailing his hands and his feet to the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. What Stephen, as he was being martyred, as he was being stoned to death, cried out, Father, don't hold this sin against them. Wow. Forgiveness can be tough. It can be tough to forgive, but it always starts with receiving the forgiveness that you need. When you see how badly you need forgiveness, how awful your sin is in the eyes of God, and again, if you're a good person, it's tougher to see that. But believe me, you need it just as bad as the bad person. I don't, I can't thank God for the ways I've disappointed him. I can't thank God for my sin. But some good things have come. I have learned enough about myself to know what I'm capable of. And I thank God from the bottom of my heart for his forgiveness. So here's my question. Do you believe what the Bible says about you? The Bible says that if you have not confessed your sin to God, I mean agreed with God, about, uh, what, with the Word of God about what it says about your sin, then you're not saved. If you say, well, I love God and I serve God, but I don't, I don't need to be forgiven by God. I haven't done anything then you don't understand. You, don't un <laughs> then you disagree with God's assessment of you because the Bible clearly says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All like sheep have gone astray. It's a sin debt you can't repay. Is there anybody in here who needs to recognize today, you know what, that is me. I'm just like everybody else. I'm not the exception. <laughs> there is no exception. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. And I want to be forgiven today. I need that forgiveness. You can't be saved without being forgiven. And this leads up to the cross. This leads up to next week. 
Keep in mind everything we talked about today, it gets, it gets better. It gets worse and it gets better. It gets, we get to the cross, but then we get to the empty tomb, right? Is there anybody today who will just say, Father, I need not just pardoned, I need forgiveness. I don't need just to escape hell. I need to be in right relationship with you. And I'm willing, Lord, today to publicly confess that I believe in you, that you are Lord, and I believe that God has raised you from the dead. If you've never made that declaration, will you make it for the first time now just by raising your hand? I desire to be saved. I desire to be a Christian today. Anybody? I'm not seeing any hands, and I hope that that means everybody in here has made that decision. If you were close because you weren't sure, you got any questions, don't leave here without asking them. We're not, none of us are guaranteed another day. And God, is, is, uh, God desires that none go to hell, right? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.